Good morning to you. It is Friday. If you didn't know, if you're still sheltering in place, it is Friday. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. We begin with some very good news that is out right now. Uh, the We've got some great uh, economic news that has just hit. Now, there are some caveats to it, but uh, 7.7 million Americans have gone back to work. Uh, that is tremendously good news. Uh, the unemployment rate has dropped to 13.3%. It had been as high as 25%. It has now dropped uh, to um, it has dropped to 13.3% as the U.S. has added 2.5 million jobs in May, a sign that the market meltdown and the jobs meltdown has begun to, uh, to be fixed. Uh, it, it is, it's, it's funny how we have this situation, uh, that uh, there are now truthers out there on the left who are claiming that the number must be rigged. Uh, yeah, that's right. There are people out there today saying, oh, it, it must be rigged. How can we believe the Trump administration? Well, here's the Associated Press headline. The U.S. unemployment rate fell to 13.3% in May from 14.7%. And 2.5 million jobs were added, a surprisingly positive reading in the midst of a recession that paralyzed the economy. The May job gain suggests that businesses have quickly been recalling workers or states have reopened their economy. Other evidence has also shown that the job market meltdown triggered by the coronavirus has bottomed out. The number of people applying for unemployment benefits has declined for nine straight weeks. The total number of people receiving such aid has leveled off. The overall job cuts have widened economic disparities that have disproportionately hurt minorities and lower-educated workers. Though the unemployment rate for white Americans was 12.4% in May, it was 17.6% for Hispanics and 16.8% for African Americans. Even with the surprising gain in May, it may take months for all those who lost work in April and March to find jobs. Some economists forecast the rate could remain in double digits through the November election. They, 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 they hope so. Uh, but but there's more. There is a caveat. The caveat is that 2.5 million Americans now list themselves as permanently laid off. They had been temporarily laid off and now permanently laid off, and that's not a good sign. But overall, 7.7 million Americans going back to work is a good sign, and adding 2.5 million jobs beyond those people returning to their jobs is really good news for the American economy. Uh, and uh, there are going to be people who get really upset with this, and I'll tell you what's going to happen. I'll tell you what's going to happen. It's going to mean that the media is going to go back into full shelter-in-place mode. We're, we're going to have to have lockdowns. In fact, it turns out the United States added 20,000 new COVID-19 cases overnight. Georgia added 1,000 COVID-19 cases overnight. Uh, but uh, to be clear here, though, that there is a lot of data out there that shows that what Georgia actually did, it was not on a single day. I'm, I'm looking at the numbers as we head into the rolling average. Hey, remember, by the way, remember 
the the May 18th number that was at 990 and then went to 980 and then to 970 and then to 960 and then to 909. It's now down to 894. What happened there? Well, they went through and realized that there had been some mistakes and also there had been some tests that were given that day that didn't apply to that day and they rearranged them to the right day. So the result is that uh, April 20th went up a little bit more to 950 because some of the tests were delayed and May 18th went down to 894. That's really good news. Notice how the media has not talked about the 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 number of cases going down on May 18th. They played it up and now they're not. And it was because of an error. It was because of an error. So now every time there's been an error that understated the number of cases, the media has made a mountain out of molehill and, and skyrocketed. Oh, this is disastrous. This is disastrous. Look at Georgia. Brian Kidd was lying. But here comes an error and it works in the governor's favor. And notice you're not hearing any mainstream media outlet talk about that. It is funny how that works, is it not? Now, they're waiting for May 26th because on May 26th, supposedly there are 909 cases, and that's not really true. Those numbers will also be reassessed, and you should look for that to go down. In fact, the trend is to go down. The trend in Georgia, the seven-day moving average, continues to decline. In fact, if you text the word data to 33777, you can see this stuff. Uh, I, I'm, I am, I'm not making it up. You can look and see for yourself the trend lines. All you have to do is text the word data to 33777. I make it easy for you. The number of daily deaths continues to decline in Georgia. The IHME modeling has adjusted again. And it still shows that by April 1st, there will be, or August 1st, rather, there will only be 26 cases within a range of 1 to 126. In fact, the IHME modeling is not showing a major jump in cases in Georgia, despite the number of tests going up. Now, contrast that with Texas, for example. In Texas, as the number of daily cases go up, you are seeing a spike but even in Texas, it's not bad. Uh, you know, it, it does appear that we were able to flatten the curve as we needed to. Hospitals stopped getting overwhelmed. And the media can't change the narrative. Uh, well, they couldn't until they got to the protests. I, I was going to save this for the third hour, but since I started here where I didn't intend to, st intend to start, let me, let me go to this Politico story. Suddenly, public health officials say social justice matters more than social distance. For months, health experts told America to stay home. Now, many are encouraging the public to join mass protests. This is Dan Diamond at the Politico. For months, public health experts have urged Americans to take every precaution to stop the spread of COVID-19. Stay at home. Steer clear of friends and extended family. Absolutely avoid large gatherings. Now, some of those experts are broadcasting a new message. It's time to go out and join mass protests against racism. We should always evaluate the risks and benefits of efforts to control the virus. Jennifer Nuzzo, a John Hopkins epidemiologist, tweeted on Tuesday. In the moment, the public health risks of not protesting to demand an end to systematic racism greatly exceed the harms of the virus. The injustice that's evident to everyone's right now, the injustice that's evident to everyone right now needs to be addressed. Abar Quran, a 
Brigham and Women's Hospital physician who's exhorted coronavirus experts to amplify the protest anti-racist messages has told me, while I have voiced concerns that protests risk creating more outbreaks, the status quo wasn't going to stop COVID-19 either. It's a message echoed by media outlets and some of the most prominent public health experts in America, like former Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Director Tom Frieden, who loudly warned against efforts to rush reopening, but is now supportive of mass protests. Their claim, if we don't address racial inequality, it'll be much harder to fight COVID-19. There's also evidence the virus doesn't spread easily outdoors, even if people wear masks. What? Or especially what? They were shaming Ron DeSantis for allowing people to socially distance on beaches. Their messages are confounding to many who spent the spring strictly isolated on the advice of health officials, only to hear that the need might not be so absolute after all. It's particularly nettlesome to conservative skeptics of the all-or-nothing approach to lockdown, who point out that many of those same public health experts, a group that tends to skew liberal, widely criticize activists who held largely outdoor protests against lockdowns in April and May, accusing demonstrators of posing a public health danger. Conservatives who felt their own concerns about long-term economic damage or even mental health costs of lockdown were brushed aside just days or weeks ago. They're increasingly asking whether the public health experts are letting their politics sway their health care recommendations. Their rules appear ideologically driven as people can only gather for purposes deemed important by the elite central planners. Brian Blaze, who worked on health policy for the Trump administration, told me an echo of complaints raised by prominent conservative commentators like J.D. Vance and Tim Carney. Conservatives have seized on a Twitter thread by Drew Holden, a commentary writer and former GOP Hill staffer, comparing how politicians and pundits criticized early protests but have been silent as the new ones or even championed them. I think what's lost on people is that there have been real sacrifices made during lockdown, Holden said. People who couldn't bury loved ones, small businesses destroyed. How can a health expert look at those people in the eye and say it was worth it now? Some members of the media medical community acknowledged they're grappling with the U-turn and public health advice too. It makes it clear that all along there were trade-offs between details of lockdowns and social distancing and other factors that the experts previously discounted and have now decided to reconsider and rebalance, said Jeffrey Flyer, the former dean of Harvard Medical School. Flyer pointed out that the protests were also engaging in behaviors like loud singing in close proximity, which the CDC has repeatedly suggested could be linked to spreading the virus. At least for me, the sudden change in views of the danger of mass gatherings has been disorienting. I suspect it is for many Americans. Isn't it funny that, I mean, in all honesty, for weeks on end, we have been told you've got a shelter in place. The protesters are bad. You had April Ryan, the White House correspondent, the, the, the journalist, saying that maybe these protesters should be prohibited from getting ventilators if they go to the hospital. Maybe they should have to sign waivers declining treatment if they can't afford it after going to these protests to reopen their businesses. And now she's like, oh, yeah, we got to go out and protest. You see this all the time now. It, it's, it's striking. It is striking to see the hypocrisy in the press. And I can guarantee you what's going to happen. We are going to see, based on based on the data, we're going to see an uptick. We're going to see an uptick in the virus cases. And what the media is going to do is tell us we got to go back and shelter in place again. 
And some of them are going to say, I kid you not, I guarantee you what's going to happen. Some of them are going to go out and they're going to say, you know what, it's better if we all shelter in place now because then we won't have to see violence against the black community. If they're hunkered down in place now, the police can't come get them, so we all better go shelter in place now. And the only reason they're going to do it is because of the good economic news. It's not really going to be about the spread of the virus. They're realizing, you know, if there's an economic rebound, it could help the president. The president, you should know, his polling is the worst it has ever been. And I'm not going to argue with you over whether the polling is wrong or right. I'm going to accept that there's merit to the polling because you can tell from the president's own behavior that he recognizes uh, that his own internal polling is having problems, which is why he decided to go across the street from Lafayette Park and hold up a Bible, an event that has now backfired. The reason being is the New York Times is revealing that even among evangelicals, the president's support is slipping. Their support of the president is slipping. The media sees the president. He's on the ropes. And yet the economy's rebounding. And this could make him resurgent. This, this could put him back in office for four more years, a quick economic rebound. So by God, these protests, you, now you got to go home. You, you got to shelter in place now, people. You got to go back. We, we had our moment in the sun. It's time to go back inside. We, we can't let the economy restart. The virus is spreading. Oh, my gosh, the virus is spreading again because of the protests. We were wrong. We're sorry. Stay in place or we're all going to die. And Trump's going to get reelected, which is actually what they're concerned about. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. If you want to be a part of the program today, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. And it is Friday, so you can call in about pretty much anything, including this fantastic brisket I have on my Rectech. Uh, I got a br- there. So there's this place up in Nashville called Porter Road, Porter Road. It's a butcher shop up in Nashville. Uh, they work with small farms in uh, the rural Tennessee area, North Georgia, parts of Kentucky uh, and at North Alabama. And they source uh, really good quality beef, pork, chicken and the like. And I ordered a brisket from them. And I was so excited. Uh, I got it uh, last Friday. I thawed it in the fridge, and I put it on the Rectech last night before I went to bed. It is, a thanks to the miracle of technology, I can get on my phone, and I can see that right now I, I just wrapped it uh, right before I came on air. I used butcher paper. I didn't use the, I didn't use the Texas crutch. I did not. I used butcher paper. And it is at 171 degrees internal temperature right now. It'll be ready for supper tonight. Or I'm sorry, dinner for you Yankees. Nonetheless, I digress. So have you heard about the Karen phenomenon? And, and, and no disrespect intended to those of you who are named Karen. But uh, there, there is a label for uh, people who go out and about in society, and women in particular, and are just super bossy and demand their way, and it is the Karen phenomenon, the Karens who lecture everyone else about what they're doing in life and can't mind their own business. Uh, It has become an internet meme. Well, I want to expose to you a a, a Karen. I got to set the scene for you. There are three girls, white girls, and a building has been spray-painted with anarchist Antifa and Black Lives Matters graffiti. It is a federal building in their neighborhood. 
and they decided that they would scrub the building and clean it. They would do their part to clean up their neighborhood and rid it of graffiti. And the Karen pulled out her cell phone and began to record them. Why are you guys removing Black Lives Matter's graffiti? We're just trying to take it. Yeah, we tried over there and it wasn't coming off. It's still one of those coming off. But why do you want that to come off? Well, I this is a federal building. Yeah, it's just a vandalism. But so you don't care about black lives then? Not at all. That's not at all. That's what this... We certainly do care about black lives. Not enough to leave up a message. You don't have to disagree with the message, ma'am. It's just on the building. We're just trying to clean it. Not not a great way to use your white privilege, ladies. Not a great. <laughs> not a not a great way to use your white privilege, ladies. Cleaning a building that has been vandalized is not a good not not a not a good idea. Now now Charlie, just so you know, he wants you to know. Uh, he did boost the levels on the girl scrubbing the building so you could hear them, but that that audio is not edited. Otherwise, we did not edit the audio. That is a, a woman who sees three girls trying to clean an act of vandalism and tells them that it is their white privilege. They should leave the graffiti. You know, th this is the most profound thing this week. So violence is bad unless it's violence to protest something you don't like about racial inequality. And, and then you can loot and you can destroy buildings. You can burn churches and you're A-OK. -okay. If you want to go to church, you're going to go to jail. But if you want to burn a church, the media is going to make you a hero this week. The hypocrisy knows no bounds. If you want to, if you want to scrub uh, scrub a building that's been graffitied. Well, that's your white privilege talking. Shame on you and your white privilege for wanting to clean up your community. How dare you? You're supposed to leave the acts of vandalism and trash. It's white privilege otherwise. Good gracious. These people are a little bit nuts, are they not? It really has been remarkable to see members of the media this week justifying violence. Like the, the, the idiot who came up with the 1619 Project of the New York Times completely misrepresented history. She, she's on, uh, she, she goes on an interview and it says essentially that, uh, well, she doesn't say essentially. She actually says that it, it destroying property isn't actually violence. We, we need to be really careful with our language. Um, Yes, it is disturbing to see property being destroyed. It is disturbing to see uh, people taking property from stores. But these are things. And violence is when an agent of the state kneels on a man's neck until all of the life is leached out of his body. Destroying property which can be replaced is not violence. And to put those things, uh, to use the exact same language to describe those two things, I think really um, it's not it's not moral to do that. Uh, so it's not violence to smash the windows of someone's private property, take their things out of there that, that, that belong to the person who's being vandalized and then to burn the place down. That's not violence. That That's not, this is the woman who wants to indoctrinate your children in public school. We, we should need to have a mass exodus of public school. This is, this is not a smart or thoughtful person. Uh, and yet she's directing the curricula of uh, rewriting American history for the New York times, which is truly bizarre. Um, it, it is, it's, it's cuckoo. And, and then of course you have, uh, the left out there today, we've got great jobs numbers and the left has declared conspiracy. They must be lying about the numbers. These people have come unhinged.
you know, I'm ready to go play golf. It's time. I need to. I keep trying to tell Chris Burns he needs to go with me, but he's terrible at golf. And so am I. I'm terrible at golf. But it's your excuse to drive a golf cart around the golf course and interact with no one and day drink. And uh, it's the perfect sport. In any event, welcome. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Speaking of day drinking, <laughs> um, Devil's Backbone Brewery, if you've never heard of them, they've actually, they've got a, I, one of my favorite beers is, is their Vienna Lager. They're out of uh, Virginia. And they want to pay someone with a social media presence $20,000 to walk the Appalachian Trail and drink beer. I kid you not. That's actually the job that they 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 want you to do is to dr- walk the Appalachian Trail and drink beer. God bless them. God bless them. Okay. Uh, we need to get to Tom Cotton and what happened. But before I get to Tom Cotton, I want to read for you an op-ed that appeared in the New York Times October 5th, 2014. Actually, Tom Cotton drew my attention to it. Here is the the headline, Pedophilia, a Disorder, Not a Crime. This appeared in the New York Times in 2014. Think back to your first childhood crush. Maybe it was a classmate or a friend next door. Most likely, through school and into adulthood, your affections continued to focus on others in your approximate age group, but imagine if they did not. By some estimates, 1% of the male population continues long after puberty to find themselves attracted to prepubescent children. These people are living with pedophilia, a sexual attraction to prepubescence that often constitutes a mental illness. Unfortunately, our laws are failing them and consequently ignoring opportunities to prevent child abuse. The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders defines pedophilia as an intense and recurrent sexual interest in prepubescent children and a disorder if it causes a person marked distress or interpersonal difficulty or if the person acts on his interests. Yet our laws ignore pedophilia until after the commission of a sexual offense, emphasizing punishment, not prevention. Part of this failure stems from the misconception that pedophilia is the same as child molestation. One can live with pedophilia and not act on it. Sites like Virtuous Pedophiles provide support for pedophiles who do not molest children and believe that sex with children is wrong. It is not that these individuals are inactive or non-practicing pedophiles, but rather that pedophilia is a status and not an act. In fact, research shows about half of all child molesters are not sexually attracted to their victims. The second misconception about pedophilia is that it is a choice. This appeared in the New York Times in 2014. You will not be surprised to learn that none of the reporters of the New York Times had a meltdown. None of the reporters of the New York Times claimed that this op-ed would put their children or themselves in danger. None of them were upset about it. There was no national outrage within the reporter set over this. But by God, Tom Cotton goes to the New York Times and puts an op-ed in that says that the military military should be used not to target peaceful protesters, but to target the looting and violence. And they're screaming, our black reporters are going to die because of this. 
Oh, we're all going to die. How dare. Oh, my Lord, the outrage. These people are a bunch of unserious bedwetters. The paper has now come out and apologized, apologized for running an op-ed by a United States senator whose views are shared by 58% of the public. They say it it didn't go through the rigorous fact-checking process and that it had factual errors that need to be corrected. It actually sounds like they're trying to, to... beg for forgiveness without asking for forgiveness. Uh, the Tom Cotton team, by the way, has told Rich Lowry at the National Review they have no idea what they're talking about. Uh, he's written, uh, Tom Cotton has had two other op-eds in the Times, and each time a Cotton staffer says the process was rigorous, somewhat onerous, and that was true of this time as well. According to Cotton's office, the senator endorsed invoking the Insurrection Act on Monday morning on a Fox News program and also on Twitter. He and his team pitched an op-ed to the New York Times. The original pitch to the paper on Monday was to package together the argument on the Insurrection Act with another proposal, but the editors were interested in a piece focusing solely on the Insurrection Act. There was haggling over what the angle and the point of the piece would be, according to the Cotton staffer. The negotiation took place with an editor who the Cotton team assumed was working with his superiors. After several rounds of back and forth Monday and into Tuesday, Senator Cotton accepted the Times-approved topic. Then the drafting process began, with the senator finishing the final version late on Tuesday around 7 a.m. on Wednesday. Cotton's office delivered the piece to the Times. There were at least three drafts back and forth. The Times would send along edits for approval, and Cotton's team would sign off, and then there would be another round. The first two rounds focused on clarity and style, the last on factual accuracy. Regarding the fact-checking, the Cotton staffer said it was pretty rigorous. We were going into the weeds. They went through each sentence to make sure it was supported and that the links said what they said were represented. We challenged a couple of things and actually made some changes because of the New York Times' challenge. There weren't earth-shattering changes, but they tightened the piece up. For example, the original draft referred to a morning consult poll showing 58% of Americans supported using federal troops, whereas it was 58% of registered voters. The process with back and forth over phone, email, and text extended through the morning and afternoon on Wednesday. Cotton and his team then signed off on the final version, 2.30 p.m. It was posted shortly after, and all hell broke loose. So far, the only concrete problem with the piece that the Cotton team has heard about from the New York Times is an orphan quote. Somewhere along the line, the phrase, protect each of them from domestic violence, was entered into the piece in quotes without any indication of where the quote came from. At one point, The fix that the Times had suggested was simply removing the quote marks, which the Cotton team accepted, although as of this writing, the quote marks remained. As does the entire op-ed that the Times negotiated over before accepting and extensively editing and fact-checking. Even now, it doesn't want anybody to know it. Uh, You know, I've had the exact same thing happen to me. I've published several pieces of the New York Times on the op-ed page. Uh, I suspect with the same editor, who there are calls for this editor. I'm not going to name him. There are calls for him to be fired. He's actually very good, very thorough. I've actually uh, sent a couple of pieces to the Times. We hammered them out over multiple days, and then they chose not to run them, which was very aggravating after the amount of time. You, you can't understand the, the amount of time that goes into it. Let, let me give you examples here. I have a syndicated column, and I have a, a local column in the Macon Telegraph. Your, your newspaper could pick up my syndicated column if you want. 
I probably should just do my my making telegraph column as a Georgia column and and send it to multiple newspapers throughout the state. I haven't, uh, but nonetheless, um, here's the thing: with my syndicated column and with my telegraph column, typically what happens is I write it and I send it off to the editors, and with the making telegraph column. Rarely do I hear back from them, and occasionally, if I've made a typo or a grammatical error, and it winds up in the paper. In fact, you know, for a while there, uh, the the Macon newspaper uh, here in in Middle Georgia, owned by McClatchy, they stopped running my column. And do you know why? They weren't paying me. I've written this column since 2013, and in 2018, no, 2019, last year, they decided they had to stop running it because they weren't paying me. And so I said, well, pay me. And they said, well, we can't because we're on hard times. I said, okay, fine. And then three weeks later, they came back and said, well, we'll pay you $50 a column. I said, you can pay me 10 if you want. They said, nope, we'll pay you 50 a column. And so I signed a contract to start providing the column and they would pay me $50 a column and I've never gotten paid from them. I kid you not. Um, so, uh, in any event, um, now they run the column and I still don't get paid even though I send them an invoice, uh, but nonetheless, um, there, there's never really a process there. I, I have, I one time wrote a column, uh, for the telegraph that was highly critical of an experience my wife and I had with our local uh, med center, uh, the Navicent Health Center. We actually, so my, my wife, as you probably know, has lung cancer. And she went to the a, a dock-in-the-box place that's run by uh, the medical center. And they sent her by ambulance to the hospital because she was uh, having all sorts of problems. They thought she may have the flu. They weren't sure. Um, but she was clearly deficient in potassium and some other things and, and also had a migraine in the process of all of this. We got her to the the uh, medical center, Central Georgia, I guess, Navicent, whatever they call it. Uh, and the doctor in the ER looked at the paperwork and said, oh, you got a migraine. They literally gave her a shot and sent her home and said that. And I said, well, what about all the other stuff? And he says, oh, no, no, it's, it, it was a migraine and sent her out the door. We, I, we were we, she wound up in the emergency room at the Coliseum Hospital the next day. And they said, oh, you know, you test negative for the flu, but you got all the flu symptoms and given your lung cancer, we're, we're going to treat you like the flu and you need fluid. You're severely dehydrated and you need uh, potassium and you need uh, th- these other things. And <laughs> yes, we know. They said so at the at the dock in the box place on Zebulon Road. But yeah, in any event. So I wrote a column about that because I had had a similar problem where I went over, uh, sat in the, the ER for three hours. Uh, my blood oxygen was below 93 percent sat there for three hours, uh, finally went over to the Coliseum Medical Center after three hours. The only reason I'd gone there is because the doc in the box sent me there, went over to the Coliseum, and they took one look at me and said, yeah, you got a problem. It turns out I had had another blood clot, and um, I'd been sitting there for three hours. So I, I wrote a I wrote a column about this experience uh, and and the problems, and they didn't want to run that one. They thought it was awkward um, th- th- that I shouldn't do that. Uh, which is fine. It's they're right, but that's the only time I've ever actually had really editorial problems uh, with the, the paper. With my syndicated column, I occasionally, in fact, this happened three weeks ago. I made a statement, and the editor 
just asked me for a source for the attribution. I know what it was, uh, that it was uh, 30,000 or no, it was 7,000 people a year in this country die of the flu based on a positive flu test. And she couldn't find that statement. Uh, she found the 30 to 40,000 people die a year. She couldn't find the 7,000. I had to find her the obscure CDC link. Uh, that showed that based on just positive tests, it's only about 7,000 in a year, uh, as opposed to COVID-19, we're over 100,000 in, what, 12 weeks now. And so I had to find her the source for that. With the New York Times, when the New York Times edits something, they go sentence by sentence, line by line, and they will fix the grammar of each sentence, They want factual citations for all claims made that go beyond obvious opinion. And it is a multi-day process. Literally, I can write my, in fact, I did this today. I I wrote my column for the Telegraph this morning at six o'clock in the morning. It'll be in the newspaper on Sunday. And the only thing I will probably get is an email from the editor this afternoon confirming that he got it. With the New York Times, it is a three to four day process minimum to write something, they go line by line through everything and they do this for everyone and everything. For the New York Times to come out with a statement and say that uh, Tom Cotton's op-ed failed to meet the rigorous fact-checking standards of the New York Times is bull malarkey. I can assure you that is not the case. I can assure you that uh, they went through it. About the only thing the New York Times doesn't fact check is the 1619 Project because it would be racist to actually write the truth as opposed to revising American history. But when it comes to an op-ed on the op-ed page of the New York Times, opposite the editorial page, that's what op-ed stands for, they they fact check the snot out of all of it. I've had this experience multiple times with the New York Times. and that, But these reporters are melting down. So Barry Weiss writes for the New York Times, and she has a Twitter thread uh, noting the divide in the newsroom, that in the newsroom, the 40 and 50-something reporters are divided with the 20 and 30-something reporters over whether or not this is, is fit to print. And the younger ones say it's not fit to print because it doesn't make them feel safe. You know, for all of these people who claim the president of the United States is an authoritarian They sure do have authoritarian tendencies. They want to feel safe. And words, Tom Cotton's words made them wet the bed. His words, he didn't hold them at gunpoint. He didn't stab them. He didn't drag them through the street. He didn't firebomb their building. He didn't Molotov cocktail their home. He wrote an op-ed and they don't feel safe from his words. Nothing says white privilege quite like a reporter from the New York Times getting upper management to apologize for making them feel unsafe by a sitting United States Senator's words. There is no more white privileged job in America than writing for the New York Times, regardless of your race. And these bedwetters are exposing how much of the younger media set aren't really serious. They don't want you to know the news. They want you to know what they want you to know, and nothing else is fit. Barry Wise, who, who writes for the New York Times, who's come under scathing criticism from people within the New York Times for daring to be quasi-libertarian, actually wrote, the motto of the New York Times is all the news that's fit to print. The older reporters in the building focus on all, and the younger focus on fit. 
And that is the ideological problem within the newsroom. And she's being excoriated by those young people at the New York Times for daring to point that out. These people are not serious people, and yet they're the ones who control the flow of information, which, by the way, is why so many people go out to crackpot sites on the right now where they think they're getting news and they're just getting nonsensical conspiracy theories. That in and of itself is a problem, but it's related to the former problem of these the, these bedwetters of the New York Times and the rest of the press who can't handle handle somebody's words. Hello, the phone number if you want to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Coach Tony Dungy, who is one of the the greatest NFL coaches uh, and just a great guy in general, has uh, raised some issues about the response to Drew Brees. Drew Brees, by the way, still being savaged online because he's not willing to come out and say that he now suddenly will take the knee. They, They want him to bend the knee. That's right. Is this not the most bizarre, like, Game of Thrones, this thing? They actually literally are saying they want him to bend the knee. Oh, good Lord. Uh, these people are so unimaginative. Um, it's like the, the ones who keep quoting Harry Potter. It's the only book they've ever read. Uh, Game of Thrones is the only TV series they've ever seen. Well, uh, Tony Dungy's having none of it. Who has to have those conversations, you think, Tony? Who? who, who? We all have to have them, we, and we have to have Drew Brees saying what he said. I don't. I don't downgrade Drew for that, okay? That's what he said. He may not totally understand. It may have been uh, not exactly the way he wanted to express it, but he can't be afraid to say that. And we can't be afraid to say, okay, Drew, I don't agree with you, but let's talk about this and let's, let's, let's sit down and talk about it. We can't just say anytime something happens that we don't agree with, hey, I'm done with that and I'm done with this person, and that doesn't make sense. Uh, yes. You, you can't write off a person because you disagree with them. And yet that's what's happening here. Uh, you, you, you encounter a person, they got, but you know, now I, I want to be honest with you. You see this on the right as well. Do you know the number of people who hate my guts? Because we agree on 90% of everything we did in 2016. We agreed on 90% of everything, but I didn't vote for the president in 2016. I had people in my church get mad at me for that. And I, and I didn't vote for him in 2016. I'll, I'll, I'll vote for him in 20. There are days the y'all, there are days I wake up lately. And I'm thinking, man, can I just like sleep on election day? <laughs> um, uh, the, I'm not alone. I know, but still, uh, and then I look at what the left is doing. I was like, nope, I, I got it. Whether I want to or not, it's this guy or that guy. And I'd rather this guy than that guy. So got to go do it. But uh, it, it, man, it, the the number of people who you, you agree with them on everything except one thing. And oh my goodness, you can't be my friend anymore because there's something we disagree on. But we're seeing this on the left and, and, and there's an, uh, it is a cultural revolution. Much like what happened in China. Cultural revolution. It is the failure of people to tolerate other opinions except it's not a failure, it's a tool on their side. Uh, It it is willful on their side to do this. And the reason it's willful on their side is because they don't want dissent. They don't want other opinion. It's very much what Mao did in China. Uh, Mao went through a disastrous process 
of trying to spark a scientific revolution in China, and it went very badly when he was trying to break away from dependence on the Soviet Union. And so Mao began the Cultural Revolution, where he claimed that the uh, bourgeois and, and the capitalists were trying to make their way back in, and any any opinion that deviated from his had to be silenced uh, because those people were closet capitalist sympathizers and they needed to be shut down. That's exactly what the left is doing here. If you agree that racism is bad and what happened to George Floyd is bad and we've got to do something to fix the situation, but you don't agree that uh, we need to upend the entire American way of life to cure systemic racism, well, by God, you're a racist and a bigot and you need to be shut down. If you believe that all lives matter, you dare to say it, well, you've got to be silenced because you have violated the, the, the creed. You got to be burned out. This. It is a religion. It is a secular religion. It has creeds. It has rites. It has rituals. It has sacraments. It, it, the, the latest ritual is to kneel for eight minutes, 47 seconds. And if you get up before then, by God, you're a racist. Don't you do it for eight minutes and 43 seconds. You're a racist. And if you do it for nine minutes, you've gone overboard. It is, it, is, it is a religion that we are seeing come up on the left now. And that religion does not like competition with traditional religions. And that religion controls a lot of culture in the state. And there, there is a problem. So, my friend, watch out from the left. Be careful what you say. They're coming to get you. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show across the state of Georgia. The phone number is... 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. And uh, welcome to the program. We're we're going, I'm sorry, I've I've got about five different things happening during commercial break and and, uh, wrapping them up here as we begin the program. But uh, we will be a little lenient on your phone calls. We will. And uh, I, I want to get to your calls, whatever they may be about today, since it's a Friday, but there is other news that really we need to hit first. And I want to begin here and now with the Jake from situation. Uh, If you haven't heard Jake from is having to issue an apology that he said, uh, essentially he wanted to buy a suppressor, uh, and they needed to, to raise the price. So only in, in his in his words, elite white people, elite white people could buy them. But here's the thing that's getting missed in the media conversation is that uh, from in the text thread said he was not an elite like per, an elite white person. Uh, and also that he apologized in the comment thread for having used that phrase. Um, and, and essentially that uh, he was explaining rich white people uh, aren't going to go out there using suppressors and shoot the place up more often than not. And, and you can think that's wrong or not, but it's actually the truth. Um, and he is being shamed now. Drew Brees has got to be like, oh, thank you, Jake from. Uh, <laughs> But y'all, I mean, here's the problem. We're we're talking about what a a a twenty year old, and I I I, I how old is Jake from? 
Um, how old is he? Is, is he is he twenty? Um, but twenty one. Okay, he's twenty one now. Twenty one. Uh, July thirtieth, nineteen ninety eight was his birthday. Good lord, he's young. <laughs> um, so it'll be 22 at, at the end of July. And it, it's, it's, we, we, listen, right now, what's going on out there is anyone who is identified as a privileged white person is going to be shamed if they can be shamed. And it is, uh, we've got all the think pieces We're we're bored and we want sports news. So we have the Drew Brees stuff and now, now we're trying to, to get out other news and what the other is. Oh, we got a young guy. Let's rough him up. We'll haze him in the press. We have no other sports news to talk about. The NBA is coming back, but let's not have a, let's shame Jake from, let's give him his, his five minutes of shaming as he heads into the NFL. And let's be really freaking honest here. A good portion of this is jealousy. Let's just get that out of the way, and you can be mad at me for saying it, but it is the God's honest truth. There are people, former teammates and classmates, who are really pissed off that Jake Fromm is headed to the NFL. Uh, He's not finishing college. He's going to the NFL. He he was drafted. He didn't get drafted as much as he wanted. And there are a number of people who behind the scenes have thought this kid needs to be taken down a notch. He wasn't supposed to be the quarterback. He was the accidental quarterback, remember? He was the accidental quarterback, and he shined. Good kid from a Christian family in (gasps) middle Georgia. They must be racist. No. Um, But he's got to be shamed. By the way, by the way, by the way. um, Oh, it's a female acquaintance. So uh, you're probably, you know, revenge porn, bad. Shaming your ex, terrible. But hey, when you can get a headline to attack young white new NFL quarterback uh, as the Drew Brees stuff is happening, by God, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's let's run with it. Uh, I, I'm a, I, was it an ex-girlfriend? I don't know. It was, was it just a, so it was certainly someone who's no longer a friend trying to shame Jake from. And you know, if this was, if if this was, if Jake from were not a twenty-one-year-old white guy going to the NFL, wouldn't be a story. If you weren't white, it wouldn't be a story. And 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 let let's 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 not kid ourselves on that either. And most of the media was, well, we're not going to private text messages among friends, and and there's probably a it's an ex-girlfriend or something, a relationship gone wrong. We're we're not going to destroy someone over that. But oh my God, Jake from 21 year old white guy from Middle Georgia who's going to the NFL. Yes, yes, we got marches in the streets, and he's not there on his knee, and, and, he, and he's a Christian, all American. But we got to shame him. That's exactly what's happening here. There is a level of jealousy. There is a, a level of gotcha. And frankly, there's a level of roughing him up as he heads into the NFL. So so maybe he can be indoctrinated now. Maybe Jake Frum can be indoctrinated now. We've shamed him. We've roughed him. We've, we've exposed him to the wolves of the media. 
he'll get in the right thing. Y'all, let me just, uh, there's, what is happening right now is an American cultural revolution and every single one of you need to stand up. Every single one of you need to be prepared for this. Every single one of you need to understand that this is no longer about George Floyd. The people who have hijacked these protests and turned them violent, they they don't care about George Floyd. They care about a cultural revolution in the United States that upends the American way of life and the American Constitution. And you know how I know? Because the same people who say climate change is a crisis and we must do something, those are the same freaking people who are offering the same solutions on this. And it is always get rid of the Constitution, get rid of capitalism, get rid of the Senate, get rid of the states, give more power to me. This is about a fight of power, not a fight of racial injustice. This is a fight about people being out of power, not only wanting to be in power, but wanting to be in power permanently. Let me find my my, my dazzlingly brilliant Twitter thread. Where Where is this? From last night. I put this up. Oh, man. Gosh, I spend more time on Twitter than I should. But nonetheless, you need to be mindful of the nonsense in this cultural revolution that is happening. Let me read you my thread from Twitter. The riots are no longer about George Floyd. They're about wrong think. If you say anything the left disagrees with, you must be destroyed. It's like Charlie Hebdo without the murder. Remember Charlie Hebdo? Charlie Hebdo was when the Muslim terrorists went into the publication in France and killed everyone because they had drawn Muhammad. Notice how you don't see anybody drawing Muhammad anymore. The terrorists won. All Even the Charlie Hebdo people won't do it anymore. The terrorists won. In this country, we're more refined in this country, so we're not going to go out and murder. We'll burn down buildings. We'll burn down churches. We'll riot and we'll loot, but we're not going to kill people except for the black police officer who was trying to protect the store in St. Louis. But these rioters are just like the Muslim terrorists without the loss of life, but with the destruction of business and the destruction of lives because they want you to be scared. They want to destroy your life. They want to silence you. They want you to fear saying anything wrong. You say all lives matter, it gets you fired. You disagree on taking a knee, you've got to be shamed into an apology. Deny there are systematic problems, you've got to be driven from the town square. Have a private text message with a friend from a year ago where you use the phrase elite white people, by God, you must be driven from the NFL. When a sitting United States senator cannot say something in the New York Times that 58% of Americans agree with, we've moved on from righting wrongs about justice and we've gotten to destroying the other and silencing dissent. This is a Maoist cultural revolution. Stay home and don't go to church or you can be arrested, but go out and destroy businesses and burn them down and loot and you can get out of jail scot-free. Burn the church and destroy the life so long as you are fighting the man. It is all part of a cultural revolution in this country. The left in this country cannot tolerate you disagreeing with them. They call Donald Trump authoritarian and they're just projecting. The left in this country wants to silence anyone who disagrees with them so that no one's allowed in the marketplace of ideas to have a contrary opinion. They can't win in the marketplace of ideas, so what they must do is shut you down. 
Jake Fromm has to be shut down. He has to bend the knee and be forced to apologize because he said something in a private text message with a girl who's probably mad at him. People are jealous of him. He's going to be successful, and so he's got to be destroyed because he's a privileged white guy. Drew Brees doesn't want to take a knee to the flag. He's going to be made to bend the knee or else. You say, of course, black lives matter, but all lives matter. Oh, God, you can't say that. No, you got to burn. Your business must burn. The black police officer who stood in the way of the looters, he's got to be shot and killed for trying to protect people and businesses from and uh, trying to protect the flat screen TV from being taken because he is a uh, part of systematic white supremacy. This black police officer, the white police officers in Atlanta who pull who tasered the black kids in the car. Well, you know what? They're, They're part of white supremacy as well, apparently. None of it makes sense. This isn't about George Floyd. George Floyd was murdered by a police officer, and they're going to go to jail, I hope. There are real problems in this country when it comes to police brutality, and there are real differences in treatment between white Americans and black Americans in this country, and it's a problem. But the left really doesn't care about the problem. They just want the power, and they're not going to fix the problem. And you know how I know they're not going to fix the problem? Because the left has been in power before, and they didn't fix the problem. Barack Obama, the first black president of the United States, had the all the levers of government for two full years and didn't do anything to fix this problem. In fact, he had Joe Biden as his vice president, and Joe Biden had drafted the criminal law that a lot of these people say destroyed the lives. Joe Biden has been in government for 43 years, and they want you to believe that Joe Biden, in charge of the government that brought you slavery and Jim Crow, is somehow going to fix the problems. No, you're going to fix the problem. Joe Biden's not going to fix the problem. They're not going to fix the problem. They just want the power. But they don't want you to know they want the power. But how are they using the power that they already have? Burning businesses, destroying lives, silencing people, shaming people. They call Donald Trump an authoritarian to distract from their totalitarian nature. Now, Jake Frum is caught up in this culture war of grievance. It's unfortunate. Drew Brees having to apologize repeatedly. He's had multiple apologies now, and it's still not enough for them until he bends his knee to the flag. They want to break you, re-educate you, or silence you, destroy your life. There's no difference here in Jack Phillips' masterpiece cake in Colorado who the gay rights activists and the transgender activists come repeatedly to sue him and try to destroy his life because he won't bend the knee to their agenda because he's a person of faith. And you can see what's going to happen here. The, the, the pastors who are coming out and saying the government can't fix this, only Jesus can, coming for y'all next. You need to stand up and say there is injustice. And you need to stand up and say these things are wrong. What happened to Ahmed Arbery? Wrong. We shouldn't need a video to be outraged by it. What happened to George Floyd? Wrong. We shouldn't need a video to be outraged by it. What happens on a daily basis where black parents have to tell their kids what to do so they don't get shot by the police if they're pulled over speeding? Wrong. We should not be afraid to acknowledge there is injustice in the world. We should not be afraid to acknowledge that what happens to our black brothers and sisters in this country is wrong. But we should also not be afraid to recognize that there are people using these deaths and tragedy and injustice to hijack the system for their own ends. 
And their ends are not about fixing those problems. Their ends are about ending this country as we know it to rebuild it in their image. And they can revise our history as much as they want with the 1619 Project of the New York Times. They can lie all they want. They have co-opted the media and most of the Fortune 500, and no one is going to stand up and point them out. And they'll come for you and me for pointing it out. But it still needs to be pointed out. You still need to speak truth to that power. There is injustice in this world. There is sin in this world. And the government's not going to fix it, and they're not going to fix it. And the tell is that whether it is environmental action or whether it is racial discrimination or whether it is poverty or whether it is gender inequality, you name it, their solutions are always the same. Give them power, end capitalism, and rewrite the American Constitution. That suggests they're not really interested in fixing the problems. They're interested in ruining the country and rebuilding it in their image. And you just can't let them do it because they are the authoritarians and they do not want, we can see now with the New York Times, they don't want free speech. They don't want free expression. They, they, they don't want practicing religion. They don't want any of those things. They want you to shut your mouth and just nod along with them and bend your knee. All right. That did feel good to get off my chest. The phone number here is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Marjorie Green has an advertisement out. She's running up in the Rome area. And Facebook has deleted her video uh, that she was running. And play that video for, excuse me, hiccups. Now, uh, here's President Trump declared Antifa domestic terrorist organization. I have a message for Antifa terrorists. Stay the hell out of Northwest Georgia. You won't burn our churches, loot our businesses, or destroy our homes. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message. President. So that's circulating on social media. Facebook has deleted uh, the ad. It had 1.2 million views. Yeah, I, I, I got to say, um, there there are a bunch of folks up in North Georgia in the 9th and the 14th that are doing these sorts of ads. John Cowan, uh, also running the 14th, has a very similar ad. Uh, this is his. John Cowan, I operate on brains and backs. Helping President Trump defend our God-given rights is not brain surgery. But deranged Democrats and weak Republicans just don't get it. I can't give them brain transplants or a stiffer spine, but I'll help President Trump build that wall, protect our values, and stop Nancy Pelosi from ever getting her hands on this. I'm John Cowan, and I approve this message. (laughs) At the end, he's got a mock-up of a coronavirus, and he shoots it with his gun. You know, this. so I, I talked to the Rome uh, Rotary Club yesterday by, by Zoom. And, you know, it's kind of funny. So I've talked to several Rotary Clubs. And I was like, oh, don't talk politics. Don't talk politics. You can't talk politics with us. You can't. Don't, 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 don't talk politics. And so I didn't talk politics. And I figured I'd just open it up to questions. And then the very first question was from the, the incoming president of the Rotary. What do you think about the congressional races? Like, oh, I, I get to talk with y'all. And, and, and this is what I said. They all have gun ads. All of them have gun ads. If you're a Republican congressman running in a super Republican area, you have a gun ad. Uh, Marjorie Green has, has had some of the more hardcore, uh, rapid response ads to the news cycles uh, that are out there. Um, 
Uh, by, uh, and uh, John Cowan now has his. Uh, Paul Brown has one up in the ninth congressional district. A couple of the other candidates have them up in the ninth as well. And uh, who could be the most hardcore when it comes to guns and the Second Amendment and fighting Antifa and the like? And now Facebook has taken hers down. Um, I, I do have to tell you, um, if you want to find out all, all the, the candidates that I'm, I am supporting, uh, please do text the word Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Uh, I, I have opinions on the, the, the 14th district and the 9th district. Uh, and, and by the way, Marjorie Green would be fine. I, I'm, I, I like and know Kevin Cook uh, very well, and he's been a great, great conservative in the state house, so I, I would go with him if I lived up in the Rome area. He's a good guy. Uh, Marjorie's going to get into the runoff, by the way, uh, and, and, which is good because if you get Kevin Cook in the runoff with Marjorie, you're, you're going to have a solid conservative either way. Now, some of these other people, this is one of my frustrations with these races, is you have all these super squishy people who run for office. Like, take up in the ninth, you got Kevin Tanner, who's running in the ninth. Uh, he's pouring money into trying to destroy Matt Gertler. Matt Gertler, of course, I, I'm supporting Matt Gertler. Matt Gertler, diehard conservative, uh, just a, a, a great member of the state legislature. Really a nice guy, young guy, got a lot of staying power. And... um. And so Kevin Tanner and the Speaker of the House are out to destroy him because uh, Matt Gertler opposed the Speaker of the House. And, and Kevin Tanner has has apologized, been an apologist for the Speaker, defended the Speaker, has been one of those squishy Republicans who's willing to vote for anything the Speaker wants to throw at him. Uh, you name it, he'll vote for it if the Speaker says so. And, and you need someone who can think for themselves, unlike Kevin Tanner. Um, and it's just amazing, though. Yeah, I'm a conservative. No, actually, your record says otherwise, um, which is striking. All right. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, this is, let's see, um, who, who is this? This is somewhat bizarre. Uh, this is Ibram Kendi on CBS this morning. I, I have not heard this yet. We will listen to it together. I see it circulating. Let's listen. To end white privilege, you have to you have to deal with racism first, right? Yes, yeah, and I mean, as as Robin, you know, talked about it, it 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 is critical for for white people, for people uh, in general, to to stop denying their their racist ideas, to stop denying the ways in which policies have benefited them, to stop denying their racism and to realize that actually the heartbeat of racism itself is denial and the sound of that heartbeat is, I'm not racist. Robin, do you believe that that, that white folks actually care about ra racial injustice? It doesn't appear that we do. Wait a second, see, this is, I, I have a suspicion this is gonna do more harm than good. So essentially, you're you're telling white people they must admit they're racist. That 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 the way to get rid of white privilege is to acknowledge racism, and the way to acknowledge racism is to acknowledge that you're 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 racist. This 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 is going to end badly. This is, I can foresee right now, you're going to have a bunch of people turn on this idea. Because what happens? Okay, so so you come out and you say you're a racist, and then what happens? Well, 
now you've acknowledged you're racist and and so now you must repent and how do you repent well you must end your life uh give me give me what your money give give me your time uh agree with me give me your vote you have to vote for the people i say you got to vote for uh this this is this is a shakedown is what it is it's not sincerity uh this is this is some level of a shakedown uh, by by activists and academics. I mean, these are the same academics, I'm sure, who believe that if you if you believe in objectivity within your business and you make people put stuff in memos, that that's a sign of white supremacy. This is insanity. Uh, and I, I really have a hard time believing a lot of people are going to go along with it. Uh, John, let's go to the phones. John, you're going to be up first today. Welcome. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Excellent, excellent. Um, hey, look, I, I just wanted to point out... Uh, Something on the, uh, you remember the, uh, 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 Miss Bottoms said that she was up all night looking at that video, the, the mayor of Atlanta, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, and anyway, she, uh, she must have missed the fact that, uh, there's a Georgia law that says you cannot hold your phone and drive your car at the same time. That dude was driving and holding his phone <laughs> video and stuff. Yes. Uh, I guess she missed that. So, so the cops were totally justified in in telling that guy to stop and pull over. Okay. Well, so now, now let me let me set the stage for for what John. Thank you for your phone call. What what John's talking about is is the two college students from Atlanta who uh, the window was smashed in in the car by the police and they were tased because they wouldn't stop. Now. Tasing anybody for driving with a cell phone is, is absurd, but. These two people, if you follow out the video, you're talking about black police officers dealing with two black college students. The black police officers tell the college students that they need to stop. The black students ignore the police telling them they need to stop. They're going very slow. The police start tapping on the window, yelling at them to stop. They refuse. They try to take off. The police smash the window with a with a club and tase both of them. The police officers, the two police officers have been fired and the whole group of them are going to be prosecuted by the DA who is in a scandal and is on the ballot for election. And even the uh, police chief in Atlanta has come out and said, this is a political prosecution by the DA to try to win an election. You can't justify tasing these kids for, for having their cell phones. But you can say, wait a second, the, their lawyers say this is a product of white supremacy culture and these are two black police officers. There was a striking picture the other day of a white Antifa person yelling in the face of and giving the middle finger to uh, black police officers on the streets of some city. I think New York City or, or Washington, D.C. Uh, there's your white privilege. You're not going to get uh, clubbed or tased being a white Antifa member, getting in the face of a black police officer, yelling at him and giving him a middle finger. Because what's going to happen is if, if the police officer responded, the black police officer responded, the black police officer's going to get fired for white supremacy or some such. Uh, th- this is th- none of th- this is all the, the, the rational, uh, it's just, this is the logic of an insane asylum, by the way, speaking of all this stuff in Georgia, uh, Georgia Democrats now want to get rid of citizens arrest and stand your ground laws. Uh, this is from the AJC democratic members of the Georgia house on Thursday announced plans to push the state to change its criminal justice statutes, starting with the repeal of its citizens arrest and stand your ground laws. 
House Democrat leader Bob Trammell of Luthersville said the measures will be part of a package of bills they will pursue when lawmakers return to the Capitol June 15th to complete the legislative session. Now, never mind, crossover days already happened. Trammell cited the February shooting of Ahmed Arbery as justification for this. The citizen's arrest law is a law that was used by a district attorney in Brunswick to justify the non-arrest of the killers of Ahmed Arbery. More distressingly, existence of the citizen's arrest law confers with some people in our state the notion that they can take the law into their own hands and with, sadly, deadly and tragic consequences. So wait just a damn minute. So one district attorney in the state abuses a law, and so the law must go away because the one district attorney abused the law. Good Lord. Um, and, and they also want to get rid of the stand your ground law. The stand your ground law uh, is the law that allows you, if someone is attacking you, you don't have to flee. You can you can do violence to that person to protect yourself. They want to get rid of that law. So they, they, they want to make it so you have to run away. You can't stand your ground. Uh, and again, you've got three guys in Brunswick, Georgia, who are going to go to jail for murder, more likely than not, who tried to claim the stand your ground law. The video evidence shows that they were using it improperly, and they're not going to get that defense. But the Democrats say, hey, we've got to take it could be abused. One prosecutor abused the citizens arrest law. We've got to get rid of the citizens arrest law. This is not about fixing the problem. This is about trying to stir up racial grievance to win an election. That's what's going on here. By the way, I, I got to say, um, it, the AJC seems very clearly on an editorial basis to come out uh, highly sympathetic towards the hate crimes legislation. Listen, uh, this is why you people need to text the word ARMY to 33777 because you are going to have to get your legislator and tell them no freaking way on this hate crimes legislation because this is coming. This is coming. They're, they're, they're going to cave. And, and here's – you need to understand – uh, what they are doing. The legislature is going to convene in, t- in the, what, June 15th. The legislature is going to come back. So let me, let me give you the timeline here so that you understand this. The primary election is on Tuesday. Today is the last day. If you want to go to your local board of elections and in, in early vote, Today is your last day to do it in Georgia. Wherever you are, you can go to your board of elections and you can vote today. Today is it. You can't vote after today until Tuesday. And then on Tuesday, you can show up at your polling location and you can vote. And by the way, Democratic turnout in the Georgia primary right now is extraordinarily high. You need to understand that as well. So... What the Speaker of the House, and this is really a lot about the Speaker, what the Speaker wants to do and what he knows he can do is not bring the legislature back until the 15th. And the reason is because the primary is next week. So between today and Tuesday, you can go out and a bunch of these Republicans are going to tell you that they oppose the hate crimes legislation. And you'll vote for them on Tuesday. And then the following Monday, they'll go support the hate crimes legislation because they're not on the ballot anymore. You've already voted for them. And then what are you going to do in November? In November, they're going to say, well, you have to vote for me because the Democrats will take back the House and the Senate and they will write the, they'll draw the boundaries. 
they'll gerrymander for the Democrats. That's what they're going to do. So you're in a no-win situation. So the only way you can stand up to these people is to become a political activist, and I'll help you do it. But you got to text ARMY to 33777. If you know your Republican member of the state Senate in particular, you need to tell your Republican member of the state Senate today not to support hate crimes legislation. You need to tell your Republican member of the Senate today not to do it. It is a thought crime. You should not be penalizing people for their thoughts. You need to make sure your Republican member of the state Senate is scared of you and not David Ralston. David Ralston and the Chamber of Commerce and Delta and Coca-Cola and and other Fortune 500 companies, they are behind the scenes pushing the members of the state Senate to pass hate crimes legislation. It is a thought crime. They want to make it a a crime for you to think bad thoughts that uh, they disagree with. This is a religious thing. It is a secular religion. David Ralston and these Fortune 500 companies in the Chamber of Commerce say that that we, we need to reflect our values in legislation. You know what should be a value in Georgia? Religious liberty should be a value in Georgia. Your ability to worship freely without the government imposing undue burdens on your religion, that, that should be a value in Georgia. But David Ralston and Delta and Coca-Cola and the Fortune 500 and the Metro Chamber and the Georgia Chamber, they oppose the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. They oppose religious liberty in Georgia. They want progressive legislation. They want progressive hate crimes legislation. But they don't want religious liberty legislation. Why is that? Why do they not want you to be free of the government imposing undue burdens on your religion? But they want to criminalize your thoughts. That's what they're doing. David Ralston, the speaker, the Republican Speaker of the House, wants this. The Republican Speaker of the House is using editorialist voices at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution to bully the Republicans into passing hate crimes legislation. That's what they're doing. You should stand up and say, no, this is wrong. At a very minimum, you should say, if you're giving us hate crimes legislation, give us RIFRA. If you're caving to the left, why can't you give conservatism? Why is it in this state, a state that is Republican, why is it that in this Republican state, it is the Republicans who must always give the left what they want? Why must conservatives in the state always cave? Why is your state legislator going to give the Chamber of Commerce what the Chamber of Commerce wants and not give your pastors in your church what your pastors in your church want? Why is it that you have to compromise your values and the left never has to compromise their values. Why criminalize thoughts and not expand religious liberty? That's what is going to be at play in the state legislature. Now, I can help you become an activist. I, I, I pay for this great system. And I can send you a text message. I can send you an email And I can give you a link that you click and you can reach out to your member of the state legislature and say no hate crimes legislation. Oppose your hate crimes legislation. And if you're not going to oppose it, at least give us RIFRA. If you're going to give us hate crimes legislation to placate the Chamber of Commerce, give us RIFRA. 
Don't give us one without the other. Preferably, don't give us hate crimes legislation. You should be infuriated that the Republicans in our legislature constantly bend over backwards to placate the Hollywood crowd that have come into Georgia to set up shop, and yet they won't give you what you want. When's the last time we had really good Second Amendment legislation that came out of the out of the legislature? They, they don't want to give the gun rights groups what the gun rights groups want. They don't want to give the, the faith-based groups what they want. They don't want to give the, the faith-based adoption agencies protection. They uh, This literally, they want to pass hate crimes legislation, and they will not protect faith-based adoption agencies from, from harassment in Georgia. They won't do that. But they want to give the left their hate crimes, thought crimes legislation. When, when are you going to stand up and take action with your state legislator? When are you going to tell your state legislator no freaking way? When are you going to tell them this far, no further, not going to do it, no no siree, don't, don't pass thought crimes legislation? When are you going to tell them if you're going to do this, Mr. Legislator, you need to do something for me? And see, what, what would happen is they'll put RIFRA in with hate crimes and then let the House strip it back out, and then they'll rush it through at the very last minute and say, oh, we didn't know. Put the burden on Kip. These people think you're stupid. They think you're not paying attention. You are paying attention, and you need to get engaged. Text the word ARMY, A-R-M-Y. Text that word to the number 33777. Sign up for the activist list here for the program. We will keep you informed. We will keep you engaged. We will get you connected to your member of the state legislature so that they know. Stop capitulating to the left in this state. Stop advancing agendas of hate, masquerading as agendas of love. Stop uh, advancing agendas to thought make things thought crimes while you're allowing religious people in the state to be harassed. It is hypocrisy on their part. And you need to stand up and be prepared to take action and tell your legislator no more. All right. I'm going to read for you my moment of brilliance this morning. And, and uh, it must be over Target because I'm getting all sorts of hate mail. Uh, boy, when we come back, um, <laughs> um, we, we're going to need to talk about an adult film star from Spain when we come back. You're actually not going to want to miss the story. It's just another sign of the end times. But first... Allow me to read this. All lives actually do matter. A sports announcer last week lost his job for using the phrase all lives matter instead of black lives matter. Our cultural superiors insist on certain phraseology these days or else. It is just another effort in the culture war to make you care and think in particular ways. The phrase all lives matter came about in pushback to aggressive efforts a few years ago by Black Lives Matter activists. The statement of fact is now presumed to be a calling card of white supremacists. Last Tuesday, people rushed to social media to add black squares. Major corporations shut down their websites. People protested in the streets. I saw more than one person shamed for innocently using the phrase all lives matter or as a far worse offense putting up a picture other than a black square on instagram we've replaced virtue with virtue signaling activists who have us believe the government that brought us slavery jim crow anti-interracial marriage laws affirmative action and police brutality are the governments that'll solve the problem the government that started a war on poverty to bring us a great society actually managed to keep people in poverty and destroy families but this time just you wait the government's going to fix it 
Our social betters who demand we use certain phrases as a secular religious right and display certain empty squares as a sacrament also demand we vote for Joe Biden, the man who served as the vice president for eight years and served in government for 43 and who authored the very crime legislation many argue made things worse and is now the solution. The man who destroyed a generation of young black men through aggressive crime legislation can preside over the government that presides over increasingly brutal police and he will solve the problem or not. Progressives who insist Americans continue to stay home even after the COVID-19 curve flattened would now have us believe mass protests are fine. Livelihoods and businesses are destroyed. Gather to riot and get a pass, but gather for church and go to jail. Ironically, these same people think health care insurance is awful, but your property and casualty insurance will be just fine to make you whole after the riots. This is not an excuse for the other side. Some can watch the George Floyd video and not see a problem. There are those who thought the optics of the Park Service clearing out a crowd of protesters with pepper pellets and smoke canisters so the president could hold up a Bible he doesn't read in front of a church he doesn't attend was a brilliant political move, and it wasn't. There are those who think the president's tweets do not stir the pot. They're wrong. We increasingly... As a society, do not allow thinking outside tribal comfort zones. Much of the press leans left and so is sympathetic to the tribal thinking of the left. Concurrently, concurrently, politicians from both sides feed off grievances for power. Neither side has any incentive to find a solution when both profit by keeping the discord going. Americans would be better off abandoning the quaint and repeatedly proven false notion that Washington is the solution for what ails us. Washington will make it worse. People think Washington will provide solutions if you put up enough black squares on Instagram it's not you are you will provide the solution stop worrying about washington and start worrying about what you are doing hello and welcome to the third hour of the eric erickson show across the state of georgia the fold number is well and now i guess we're in alabama i can't say that anymore but you know most of you are in georgia the full number is for uh, no that's the wrong number can't have my cell phone number uh 877-97-ERIC 877-973-7425 877-973-7425 I begin with the story that I have put off for days and I apologize in advance I apologize in advance but oh yeah we're going there <laughs> Let me just read you the tweet. The tweet is from uh, Hazel Ward. Hazel Ward is the journalist at the uh, Agency for uh, AFP, the French AP, their Madrid bureau. Uh, here we go. This this is the tweet. This is the tweet. And then we'll get into the story. Why? Because it's Friday. That's why I held it till now. Spanish porn star. Nacho Vidal. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Spanish porn star Nacho Vidal, who likes to advertise his aromatic candles shaped like his male <clears throat> on Twitter, has been arrested on manslaughter charges following a man's death during a mystic ritual in which he inhaled psychedelic toad venom yes my friends yes 
The adult film star was arrested on manslaughter charges following a man's death during the mystic ritual in which he inhaled the psychedelic toad venom, according to Spanish police. Nacho Vidal was detained last week in the southeastern Valencia region in connection with the death of the man in July of 2019. Media identified the victim as fashion photographer Jose Luis Abad. The police operation began following the victim's death during the celebration of a mystic ritual based on the inhalation of venom of the Bufo Alvarez toad. Alvarius toad. The toad, a rare species, which is a native to the Sonoran Desert, stretching from northern Mexico into California and Arizona, secretes venom containing a very powerful natural psychedelic substance known as 5-MeO-DMT. Its effects have been compared to Ayahuasca, a powerful hallucinogenic concoction from the Amazon, consumed as part of a shamanic ritual. Following an 11-month inquiry, police arrested Vidal, one of his relatives, and an employee on suspicion of manslaughter and crimes against public health. Investigators said they had discovered such rituals were being carried regularly on grounds they offered medical benefits. But in reality, this apparently harmless ancestral ritual posed a serious health risk, luring people who were easily influenced, vulnerable, or who were seeking help for illnesses or addictions using alternative methods. Local press said the ceremony took place in the country residence of Vidal, a media-savvy porn star in his mid-40s whose Twitter feed is full of ads for his 25-centimeter aromatic candles of the male reproductive organ available in black, white, or cerise, cerise, what color is that? Oh, a deep red color. <laughs> Doesn't advertise them in blue. Um, I, y'all, I've, okay, so here's the, the <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, Erickson has not lost his mind. I apologize. No, no, I really haven't. Um, there, there, there's, there's, there's a method to the madness here. Uh, you know, we see more stories of this, like, for example, uh, the rise in the number of people who claim to be atheist, but believe in spirituality. The number of people who believe in science yet check their horoscope every day. We're seeing more stuff like this on a regular basis. Uh, and the reason we're seeing more stuff like this on a regular basis is because in in the great effort of progressives who have rejected the God of creation to worship creation, who say believe in science and also believe that you can decide whether or not you're a boy or a girl, um, what we're seeing is that real religion may be going away, but religion itself is not going away. And what the most radical of them are trying to do is to take religion and apply it to politics. Now, this is a story that, that sounds unrelated to that, but consider this. You, you have a, an adult film star 
who is engaging in shamanic ritual in southeastern Spain with individuals for medical cures or, or to connect to the cosmos or some such. And it's just another form of paganism that is spreading across the planet among secularists and, and people on the left, uh, they, where they reject the God of all creation, but they don't reject religion. They may say they have no religion, but in fact, they do have religion. And I mean, consider what's happening out there right now with these protests around the United States, where you need to engage in the ritual of bending your knee to the flag to prove you're a you're a righteous soul and if you don't well by god the heretics must burn like drew Brees, he must burn it is a religion masquerading as just logic it's not logic it's not logical it is a religion They don't want you to believe it's religion because they say there's no such thing as religion. Worship this instead. Instead of worshiping God, worship government. Instead of saying the Apostles' Creed, say Black Lives Matter or I can't breathe or hands up, don't shoot or a host of other things that you're supposed to say. Have your sacrament of abortion. Place your black square on Instagram and you will be saved. But there is a difference. It is a difference that we find with the environmentalists and, and all the others out there of these activists. And this is the dangerous, dangerous part of the secular religion. And it's the one, if you're aware of it, you see this happening more and more. It's the it's what's happening with Jake Fromm. It's what's happening with Drew Brees. You see, in the secular religion, it's not enough to repent. You can't just repent, folks. Because there are still heretics out there. And so if you repent and there are still sinners out there, you're still going to hell. If there are sinners out there, if there if there are people out there and those people don't believe what you believe, you got to burn the heretics and the deniers. You got to silence them. You got to reeducate them. You got to force them to. It is secularism is the most violent religion. It's why you get so many deaths from Nazism and communism. Because the the situation is fairly straightforward that you can't get your heaven on earth. You can't get your utopia as long as there are people like me out there. That's why the left always wants to do the fairness doctrine on talk radio now. Yeah, you, you, you gotta have balance. You gotta give both sides. You gotta have balance. You gotta have other voices. They they can't actually. You know the you know the reason the left is not successful at talk radio. It's because they don't have any sense of humor. Because they're not funny. They they don't have that personal relationship. They 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 don't have that. They're rather humorless. They're rather cold. Uh, they they. I mean, it's like listening to NPR news. You can be informed, but you won't be entertained. You'll be lulled to sleep. They don't have that. So instead, so they got to shut it up because it's it's where somebody might dissent from their worldview. It's where someone might say it's all a lie. It's where someone might say the emperor has no clothes or look, there's a man behind the curtain. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. If you say it's George Soros, well, you're an anti-Semite. You, you, you can't you can't blame Soros for this. No, you can't you can't point that out even when it's true. Now, a lot of people blame him for stuff that he's has no blame for, but uh, some things he has funded. Oh, you can't say that you're an anti-Semite if you do that. 
you can't point out that ending police departments is probably a bad thing. Do you know the um, the the Minneapolis City Council, the mayor has announced they're going to get rid of the police department. They're going to shut it down. They're going to find some new instrument of, of keeping people safe. And what it'll actually be is the police department, but they'll change the name. What Orwellian name do you think they could come up with? Instead of the policing department, the good neighbor department. We're not from the police. You're not under arrest. No, no, we're not here to arrest you because we're from the good neighbor department. We're going to take you to our house for a barbecue. <laughs> Little did you know the barbecue was putting you in a hot cell by yourself. In Los Angeles, they're going to cut funding for the police department. You know what this does is, is this overreaction from the left. I told you people there would be an overreaction from the left. There is an overreaction is happening right now. Uh, you, you can't protest to open your business, but you can burn down businesses to protest uh, racism in this country, and you are A-OK -okay and can't go to jail for it. And the police departments have got to be cut. The police departments are going to be cut. Uh, they're going to get rid of police departments. This is the, the left is actually championing this. They're actually out there championing this. Yes, the Committee of Public Safety, my buddy Brent, yes. That is perfect. The Committee of Public Safety is going to keep you safe. They'll have guillotines. They'll do it humanely to keep you safe. But they won't have police. And you know what's going to happen is more people are going to go buy. In fact, there's a huge run on buying guns. More people bought guns in the month of May this year than in the months of March and April last year combined. And May is usually the downtime for gun purchases. And more people bought guns, and 40% of them were women, first-time gun owners. Do you know what you call a new gun owner? Republican. Uh-huh. You shut down your police departments. You make people more self-reliant on their own for protection, and they go buy guns, and suddenly they're not going to vote for gun grabbers because you've grabbed the police from them, and now you want to take their guns from them too. By the way, if you get rid of the police department, Libs, who's going to take the guns? Your Committee on Public Safety, are they going to be the ones to come to round up the guns? The, again, the logic of the insane asylum with this stuff, it is, it is a religion. At least with Christianity, there's actually a, a systematic theology to it. There actually, it, it does make logical sense when you understand Christianity. With this stuff, you, you got stuff tripping all over each other. None of it can be reconciled together. They're pro-science, except when it comes to whether or not you can be born uh, boy or girl, you get to pick that. None of that makes sense. None of this other stuff makes sense either. We're going to get rid of the police in order to keep you safe. We're going to get rid of the people who protect you to protect you. None of that makes sense, but that's what they're going to do. You're not allowed to own a gun to protect yourself, nor can you have a police department to protect you. The mob will keep you safe. The mob will keep you safe by burning your home and taking all your stuff. And when your home is burned and all of your stuff is gone, you don't have to worry about anybody stealing from you. See, you're safe. <laughs> People, that's that's what they're going to do. That is the left, and that is what get. And you know, they're already. I I see commentators out there right now who say, "Y'all do realize this is going to get Donald Trump reelected." Y'all y'all do realize 
you're going to get Donald Trump reelected by doing this. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're going to get rid of the law. We're going to get rid of police. We're going to round up the guns. We're, we're going to do all of this. And no, it, it, we're going to get Joe Biden elected. The man who wrote the laws we're agitated against, he's going to get elected and he's going to keep us safe from, from that authoritarian Donald Trump. And if you disagree with us, we will burn your business down. That's the ticket to getting Joe Biden elected, friends. That That right there, that's what's going to do it upset uh colin coward and glenn beck are advertising Rectech grills i'm just checking mine right now my brisket is at 180 degrees grill holding steady at 225 i've wrapped it in butcher paper not aluminum foil why because i'm not a novice when it comes to making my brisket uh yeah i've i've got my accountant coming over tonight i figure we can eat some brisket um we'll throw a few scraps to philip uh who probably will be coming too <laughs> um but nonetheless, here's Glenn Beck and, and Colin Coward and, and the like, and they're all promoting Rectex. I actually have one to use it. I, I don't see Glenn on his Instagram page actually smoking a brisket. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I tease. Let me go to the phones. Melvin, how are you, Melvin? Good to hear from you. Oh, wonderful day. I woke up and got out of bed again, so cheated death again. But anyway, a couple of points. First one is all Black Lives Matter. What's their real charter? I mean, is it not to defund police organizations throughout the United States? And then I will have to go secondly and say that if Black Lives Matter care so much about the black lives or minorities, and I'll put it that way, why are they having, why haven't they been up in Chicago for many years? Why haven't the athletes that pout about all that, haven't, why haven't they been up there telling their own that you're killing your own? I mean, there's a lot of innocent women and children that are being killed. And I think if you did um, your analysis, you found out that more minorities are killed every two weeks unarmed then the number of unarmed blacks are killed by police um, in a year. And then I have to do a segue into Drew Brees. Drew Brees did not do his homework whenever he was chastised and apologized, because if you go back to Colin Kaepernick and his comments, Colin Kaepernick knelt against the flag of the United States of America. It wasn't for the other. It was against the flag of the United States of America. It's fascinating to me, Melvin. I'm I'm glad you say that point because it's fascinating to me to see the revisionism on uh, on Colin Kaepernick, who who started out saying he was taking a knee against the United States and the flag, and only later, after he was advised that that might not go over well, did he say, oh, it was actually about uh, police brutality and systemic uh, racism in the country. And he he changed his story. No, we're not supposed to point out, I guess, that uh, he changed his story. What everybody else, I, I see all these people listening, and some friends of mine, I don't mean disrespect to my friends, some of whom are listening right now, saying, see, I, I guess we owe Colin Kaepernick an apology. No, you do not. You do not owe him an apology. Uh, the, the guy changed his story. I, I, I got, listen, y'all, I'm, I'm, what's amazing to me, I'm, I'm trying to find a diplomatic way to say this. You can acknowledge all of the problems and you can commit yourself to fighting injustice and trying to fix all the problems. But what we're seeing is that's not enough. You can't just agree with them. You have to admit it's you. And once you've admitted it's you that allows them then to control your path forward. What people are trying to do on the left right now is get you to give up your individual liberty in favor of their cause. 
and to control and govern the way you yourself are going to handle situations. And that's wrong. The government is not going to provide us a solution, and neither are these people. And, and you know, Melvin's right. Why haven't they been protesting all this other violence? Why haven't they been in Chicago marching in the streets on the south side? Why haven't they been speaking out on gang violence? Why why now? What happened to George Floyd is wrong. And we don't we shouldn't engage in whataboutism with it. But we should note the political opportunism of a whole lot of people on the left. You should be mad at what happened to George Floyd. It undermines good police officers. It took a man's life. And you don't need to say, well, what about this? What about that? Well, what what about George Floyd's past? What what about this conspiracy theory or that? Same with Ahmed Arbery. You don't need to what about it. The number of people who want to try to claim that uh, somehow Ahmed Arbery, he deserved it because it was self-defense on the part of, of the McMichaels to do what they did after what we already knew. We, we didn't need the additional information that we got yesterday. And the information we got yesterday was pretty brutal. That they and the other guy who videotaped him essentially tried to use their vehicles to herd Arbery. Uh, the other guy who filmed it all wound up hitting Arbery with his vehicle. And then Travis McMichael shot him three times. And we now know Arbery only tried to defend himself after the first shot. And he was killed. And these kooks and conspiracy theorists and others came out of the woodwork and said, hey, what about this? What about that? You know, Ar- Arbery was a bad guy. He was a criminal in the past. He, he got into these buildings. He, 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 they, they thought he had broken in before. You, you know, that made me mad. To see these people, mostly on the right, try to undermine that and 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 play whataboutism on Ahmed Arbery. It was disgusting and it undermines those of us who do care about these issues. But you got to acknowledge that the other side, the fact that they don't give a damn about any of this other stuff and they want to completely ignore it and that they want to co-opt the death of George Floyd to advance their longstanding grievances against the country and other issues – that reeks of opportunism too, and and that is deeply unfortunate. I'm coming. I'm I'm yelling at people on social media. Uh, I I I gotta. Um, I just stirred the pot a little bit more than I wanted to, and and now I can't get to the thing I wanted to talk about, and I do want to talk about this thing, but I need to tell you um, what I. I I need to tell you what I just put up. And some of you may be mad about it, but if you heard me talking yesterday about the Ahmed Arbery situation, I I need to I I, I gotta I gotta say something. We had the pre-trial hearing for Ahmed Arbery yesterday. I mentioned it as it was happening here. I read some of what they were saying. We learned from the Georgia Bureau of Investigation that the McMichaels and the guy who videotaped it, I forget his name now, uh, but they tried to use their vehicles to corral Arbery. 
we learned that Arbery took nothing from that house where he was seen coming out of and that he regularly jogged through the neighborhood. We learned that Travis McMichael referred to Arbery as an effing N-word after killing Arbery. We learned that the McMichaels did not have real-time knowledge of Arbery having committed a crime. They just suspected it. We learned from their testimony and the testimony of the other man who helped corral Arbery and videotaped his murder, all these things. There are members of the conservative movement, of which I am proudly a part, who spent two weeks engaged in whataboutism, character assassination, rumor and innuendo to try to excuse what the McMichaels had done to be their apologists. More than one person on the right, more than one person with a blue check mark on the right, uh, tried to make excuses for them or engage in character assassination of Ahmed Arbery. Remember the New York Post? The New York Post ran the story about Ahmed Arbery. They, they tried to say, well, you know, he had a, he, he, in the past, he had been arrested. In the past, he had been arrested. They tried to engage in a level of character assassination of a dead man. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation had no dog in this fight. They, they did not want to be a part of it. They did not want to be engaged with this, but they had to become engaged with this because the facts suggested there was a local cover-up. And the local district attorney tried to get out of having any – tried to get out of – tried to get the McMichaels out of it and then tried to get themselves out of trouble. Can, there, can, can we have a cleanup of the conservative movement, please, from all the grifters and the conspiracy theorists out there who just wanted to be contrarian? They didn't really care about the facts. They just wanted to be contrarian. They they wanted to go out there and smear Ahmed Arbery. They wanted to go out there because everybody was going after the McMichaels. They said, no, no, I'm going to plant my flag and defend these people. I Y'all, I'm a conservative. I am a longtime member of the conservative movement. I am a conservative activist. Some have the audacity to call me a conservative thought leader. And I am appalled, frankly, by what I see in the conservative movement these days where there are people who don't want to do the right thing. There are people who they want to spread innuendo because they see everybody else going in uh, another direction. And they, they don't care about the facts. They just want to stir the pot. And, and can we be rid of those people, please? Can we be rid of those people? You know who else we need to be rid of? We need to be rid of the stupid people in the media who do stupid things like cry about Tom Cotton. Uh, let me read you. This is Alyssa Rosenberg at the Washington Post. That this, wow. Let me read you the headline first. Shut down all police movies and TV shows now. Like many other industries, entertainment companies have issued statements of support for the protests against racism and police brutality now filling America's streets. But there's something Hollywood can do to put its mouth where its social media posts are. Immediately halt production on cop shows and movies and rethink the stories it tells about policing in America. 
For a century, Hollywood has been collaborating with police departments, telling stories that whitewash police shootings and valorizing an action hero style of policing over the harder, less dramatic work of building relationships with the communities cops are meant to serve and protect. There's a reason for that beyond a reactionary streak hiding below the in- industry surface liberalism purely from a dramatic perspective crime makes a story seem consequential investigating crime generates action and solving crime provides for a morally and emotionally satisfying conclusion the result is an addiction to stories that portray police departments as more effective than they actually are crime is more prevalent than it actually is and police use of force is consistently justified There are always gaps between reality and fiction, but given what policing in America has too often become, Hollywood's version of it looks less like fantasy and more like complicity. There's no question that it would be costly for networks and studios to walk away from the police genre. Canceling Dick Wolf's Chicago franchise of shows would wipe out the entire night of NBC's primetime programming. Dropping Law & Order Special Victims Unit and a planned spinoff would cut even further into the lineup. But the gap between what some companies and executives have promised this week and what they have done in the past cannot be ignored. As reality television critic Andy Dennert pointed out at Vi- CBS Viacom Cable Network Chief Chris McCarthy pledged to leverage all of our platforms to show our allyship. One of those platforms also airs Cops, a decades-old reality show with a troubled history of participating in police censorship and peddling fear of black and brown criminals. If McCarthy means what he says, canceling Cops would be a start. But canceling shows and movies would be easier than uprooting the assumptions at the heart of the problem. Say writers made a commitment not to exaggerate the performance of police. Audiences would have to be retrained to watch, for example, a version of Special Victims Unit, where the characters cleared only 33.4% of rape cases, or to accept that in almost 40% of murders and manslaughters, no suspect is arrested. If storytelling focused on less dramatic but more common crimes, such as burglary and motor vehicle theft, the stakes would shrink along with case clearance rates. In addition to revealing the world as it is and has the power to show us the world as it can be but when reform doesn't seem like real possibility even modest optimism risks souring into mockery oh good grief it goes on from there by the way it goes on from there and she does she wants hollywood to stop airing tv shows and movies about the police she wants them to show the police as criminals, essentially, or, or incompetent or ineffective. You know what, man? I, 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 wish, I wish TV would stop airing shows about zombies. I really do. Because, man, you, you see shows about zombies, and, and you know people are going out there, think, they're scared of going to cemeteries now. They're afraid the zombies are going to come up out of the graves and get them. Gosh, can we stop airing shows about dragons because people, they're going to believe they're real and they're going to risk their lives and possibly die going in search of dragons. They're going to hold what they say are dragging eggs and they're going to walk into fire and they're going to die because they carried a dr- fake dragon egg into fire thinking it was real. We we can't show that on TV. No, no, we can't do that. This is, you know what's going to happen. It, it, it's very much like back in the 80s. It was the, the commies were bad. 
And then Hollywood started making money off of China, and suddenly the Chinese can't be bad because the Chinese have to be heroes because that's where Hollywood's getting money from. Suddenly we're going to start – we are about to see a string of TV shows and movies about corrupt cops. And the media will celebrate the truth of these shows, and no one will watch them. That seems to be what's happening more and more. I mean, take, for example, uh, look at that, that Ghostbusters remake. The Ghostbusters remake was a it was a bad movie. It was an objectively bad movie. The only saving grace in that movie was Chris uh, Hemsworth, Hemsworth, who is a very funny comedian uh, who plays Thor in in the Marvel series, and and but he's just he, he's a brilliant comedian, and he was the saving grace of that movie. It was a horrible, horrible remake, and to this day, Hollywood would have you believe. Uh, that it was all uh, men hating women. That's why it was bad. They didn't like a female reboot. Or Charlie's Angels. The Drew Barrymore, Lucy Lewin did great at the box office. The one that came out this past year, Elizabeth Banks or whatever, the beginning of this year, it was a dreadful, awful movie. And yet they're screaming sexism about it. You don't like it because of sexism. So they're going to produce these movies. I, I can guarantee it's going to happen. They're going to produce these movies that are horrible shows that depict horrible cops doing horrible things things and you're not going to go watch them and you're going to be racist for not watching you have to watch this movie to prove you're not racist all the white people are going to tell you what you must watch in order not to be racist you know i I am amazed by the number of white people out there today telling me what books i need to read and movies i need to watch and restaurants i need to go to to show my allyship with the black community sure White people, tell your fellow white people what they must do to understand racism. I, I'm sure you're the ones who need to educate us. Ah, the, the whole thing is just a farce. It's just, it, it genuinely is is farcical to see some of this stuff. And, and now to say, we, we can't have police shows anymore. Get rid of cops. What's the one, uh, what, what is it, live PD? I guess we need to get rid of live PD as well. Get rid of live PD because because that's bad. You know, it, it, it could make you not like criminals. It could. You know, if you watch live PD, you may realize that running drugs and having DUIs is bad. We we can't have that. No, no, no. Get rid of that because it puts the cops in a positive light, keeping you safe. It's amazing the broad brushes that the left wants to paint with these days, is it not? Police forces are bad. They must be defunded. Never mind. It, it, it's it's a few bad police officers. It's not the majority of the police. A police officer is 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black man than an unarmed black man is to be killed by the police. That's just reality. Does it make you racist for pointing it out? Are there bad cops? Absolutely, they're bad cops. They're bad doctors. They're bad lawyers. They're bad police. We're in a fallen world full of sinners. Of course, there are bad people out there. And do they do wrong? Yes. And are black people disproportionately targeted for harassment by the police? I believe they are. But there's no reason to shut down police departments. And there's no reason to paint a police officer who puts his life on the line and could make more money in a different job to paint him as the bad guy. There's no reason for that. Tell Hollywood to stop making, you know why Hollywood makes shows about cops? Because we need heroes. 
because the left tells you on a daily basis that everyone you think is a hero is really a bad guy. Drew Brees is really a bad guy because he supports the American flag and, and he doesn't want to take a knee to the American flag. He's a bad guy. Jake Frum sent a text to a girl with something that, that if he was in public, he wouldn't have said. He said it in a private text message. Well, we got to expose him as a bad guy. Everybody who is a hero must be exposed to what, what was the 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 Dark Knight uh, movie? Uh, die a hero or live long enough to become the villain? The media rushes to make people the villains. Remember the guy in, what was it, in Missouri? He uh, held up a sign. He wanted beer money, and he wound up getting over a million dollars, and he was donating it. So Budweiser was going to, um, they, they were going to do ads with him, and then he got canceled because someone went into his social media feed, and like a decade before, he had said something disparaging about people on social media. Oh, cancel. Can't, can't let this guy get ahead. No, no. The hero's got to be a villain. You see it with the kid a couple of years ago who was a contender for, what was it, the Heisman or some such, a, a college football player. Oh, no, or no, it was a kid who got a scholarship, got a big football scholarship, and then they found out when he was 13 years old, he had said something uh, racist on Twitter, or he had quoted lyrics that had the N-word, and he wrote out the N-word, and oh, that kid's got to be canceled. Everybody's got to be canceled if they disagree with the the prevailing cultural zeitgeist of the left. And now the police must be canceled. The police must be canceled because the police are bad. The police are bad because uh, one bad police officer in Minnesota killed George Floyd. But it happens all the time. What happens when the cameras are turned off? Must be all the police. No, it's not all the police. Not even a majority of the police. And by the way, it's it's amazing to me to see in, in some of the cases like the, the situation in Atlanta with those two college students, it was black police officers and somehow they are they are members of, of a white supremacist network. These black police officers are. It is the logic of an insane asylum coming from the left. And now we gotta we gotta turn off the TVs and stop showing cop dramas because it makes these people look good. How dare we make police officers look good? How dare we give idiots pages in newspapers to say nonsense like this? And yet we do. Call every American, ask themselves, ask them the following. Okay, is this who we are, what we're seeing now? Is this who we want to be? Is this what would pass on to our kids and our grandkids? Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll do my job and take responsibility, but I won't blame others. I'll never forget that a job isn't about me, it's about you. Is that how we teach it our kids? I work not only to rebuild this nation, but to build it better, stronger, and more inclusive, more resilient than it really was. Look, if elected, my view is that you will have to will have to address these issues straight on. And the words the president says matter. So when a president stands up and divides people all the time, you're going to get the worst of us to come out, the worst in us all to come out. This president talks constantly talks about equality without without lecturing, talks about and has administration that looks like the country and the rest, it changes attitudes. And it's about the attitude of the country. Do we want our kids, do we, do we really think this is as good as we can be as a nation? I don't think the vast majority of people think that. There are probably anywhere from 10 to 15 percent of the people out there that are just not very good people. It's like Hillary Clinton's deplorable comment, Joe Biden, in this interview. 10 to 15% of Americans aren't good people. That's a heck of a lot of Americans out there who aren't good people. Uh, at least 35 million Americans aren't good people. Uh, yeah. 
Remember when we used to believe the best about everybody? No, not anymore. We're the bad people. Uh, the media, of course, will not along with Joe. Yes, Joe. Hillary was right about the deplorables, and you're right about this. You know, it's like like when Barack Obama talked about the people um, carrying their their guns and religion, and uh, that they they were they were somehow uh, good. They were somehow the, he was right to say that these people are terrible. Good gracious. Uh, I gotta tell you that it just, just, he's not wrong. He's not, let's be honest. He's not. But if a Republican said that, you know what the outrage would be in the media, you know, there would be absolute outrage in the media. And then there's this from uh, Representative DeLauro. Uh, she, she's the kooky woman. Uh, where is she from? Colorado, California. I think California. L- listen to this. For us to keep our people safe, our response needs to be led by the scientists and the public health experts at CDC. Our response needs to be based on reliable public health principles, not political appointees in the White House. It is our expectation that public health expertise must be at the forefront of our national response. We need answers to vital questions. Why has the administration accepted the world's worst outcome and a level of preventable death that would have been unconscionable a few months ago? How is our country going to reopen when there is not a coordinated nationwide effort to test, contact trace, and isolate cases? Why are states disregarding CDC's guidelines for reopening business and for social activities? Why are CDC's guidelines not at the forefront? Why did CDC's guidelines on reopening come after states started to reopen or were already reopened? We are asking the CDC to lead the way and uphold its mission. And I quote that mission. As the nation's health protection agency, CDC saves lives and protects people from health threats. To accomplish our mission, CDC conducts critical science and provides health information that protects our nation against expensive and dangerous health threats and responds when these arise. That is the highest mission, and it is the right mission. So let me say affirmatively that this committee supports the scientists, and the public health officials at the CDC. Um, but she's okay with you going out to protest. She, she actually is okay with you going out to protest, but she's upset with businesses being allowed to reopen. Y'all, I, I got to tell you, you watch over the weekend. They're going to start talking about COVID-19 again. They're going to move back to COVID-19. They're going to move back to a spike in cases, and they're going to move back to we need to shelter in place. We need to shut back down, and it's not actually going to have anything to do with shutting down. It's going to have everything to do with stopping the president. It is going to have everything to do with the president of the United States possibly having an economic rebound help him on the road to reelection, and they can't have that happen. They've got to shut down the economy if they can. Excellent news today with the jobs numbers and the president of the United States is going to benefit from an economic rebound. They know it in the polling, the number one issue, 71% of Americans are worried about the economy and a majority of them think he will help more than Joe Biden with that. So they got to shut it back down. You watch.